Blog Talk Radio. No, that's not the introduction. What not the, the introduction. Someone's, someone's playing a prank. It's not the intro. Jeez. Get away from Bogus's iPod. All right, here we go. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen T. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meat at stayclassymeats.com, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, Wide Men Can't Jump, and follow us on Twitter at WideJump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. A damn wham song follow us forever. Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard. It is Wide Men Can't Jump. We are back again. Episode, my God, that's a big number. 120. Can you believe it? Joining me, as always, the Great White North, the man in the myth, the Canadian legend, North American legend. Hell, he is loved in 49 of 50 states. And one state that hates it is New Jersey. It's Tim Dufrova. <laughs> I'd like to say that I, however, love New Jersey, uh, especially Lou from New Jersey. Yeah, well, we all love Lou. Yeah, ain't heard from Lou in a minute. No, that other person I don't care for much, but he shall remain nameless. And a couple orcs out in New Jersey as well, but nevertheless. Yeah, but that's... Every state has its orcs. We know a lot of people from Jersey now that I think about it. Anyway. Anyway. We're going to get this week started with a bang. It is the return of the top ten. And I... I'm going to go ahead and tell you there's no music included in the top 10 this week because the prime players are off rehearsing for the Boggs, which are coming to you uh, eventually. They'll get here when they're here. You can't rush them, you know. But uh, they'll be here eventually. And uh, no primetime players this week as rehearsals have consumed them. And we're going to now go to the top 10. I have heard none of this top 10. I didn't pre-screen. It's Shackleford pre-screen and told me it was good to go. But he was also eating a ham sandwich. So you never know what's going to pop up here on this. So, Tim, without further ado, are you ready for the top? <clears throat> roll the tape, Nate. Let's roll. Hello. Good evening, everyone out there in uh, wide no. men can jump land. I am your queen. Even if you live in the Americas, I'm still your queen. Get used to it. Tonight's top ten. 
is brought to you. What's that, Charles? What? Where? What? Uh, oh, I'll read it. I'll read it. The night's top ten is brought to you from the home office in Delco, Pennsylvania. Oh, home of Ben Franklin and the Liberty Bell. Give me liberty or give me death. Oh, I tried to give you death. Oh, anyway. Tonight's top ten. Sponsored by the cows. Shinston stomach pumps. And that's all. Tonight's top ten. The top ten things bigger than Tom Robinson's coat. Oh, my. That's great. At number ten. The tab from Nathan Tim's trip to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so, Chick-fil-A, is that, a, is that a strip club? Sounds like a strip club. Anyhow. Uh, at number nine. The size of Armando Martinez's Latino heat after using the Manscaped 3.0. Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, that, that makes the Queen want to annex part of California. <laughs> no anyway. At number eight, LeBron's climate-controlled hairpiece humidor. Queen did not understand that joke whatsoever. Oh, number seven, good friend of the Queen's, the Jimmy Butler Book of Good Manners and Etiquette. Oh, that's a large, large book, I must say. At number six, James Harden's Guide to Flopping the United Kingdom's unabridged edition. James Harden. That's one vowel away from being very, very filthy. At number five. Oh, the Queen really likes this one, and I'd like to point out that this is for the Queen's biggest fan, Angie. Angie, number five. Duke University syllabus on how to lose to unranked teams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's naughty. That's naughty bits right there, Duke University. Losing yet again. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, so... <laughs> at number four. The White Men Can't Jump Annual Safety Vest Material Bill. <laughs> a lot of safety vests in the White Men world, and a lot of White Men to clothe in the safety vests. But then again, keeping the color yellow canary in the top ten. At number three. The new Sheets Ed Bargus ice cream sundae in a bucket. I believe that's a five-gallon bucket. Uh, Good Lord. You can check that out on Ed's Twitter feed. Twitter. Twitter, I like Twitter. to say that word. Twitter. Twitter. Oh, another good friend of the Queen at number two. Rick Flair's Black Book. Yeah. Rick Flair made the Queen go, whoo, several times. <laughs> <laughs> what a nice that was in the... The, uh, I can't remember the name of the hotel in Philadelphia by the airport, but regardless. <laughs> and the number one thing that is bigger than T.R.'s coat. The smile on Kate Bush when he sees Cheetos, a ceiling fan, and his dad in the same room. Yes, if you don't break a tear for that one, you're not human. Kate Bush, the greatest little man I know. What a subject. <laughs> What a follower. And that's it for the top ten from this week. I am your queen. Don't ever forget it. Or I'll send me royal guards after you. Everyone have a good night. Good day.
My God. <laughs> My God. Oh, hello. Thank you, Your Majesty. <laughs> Great. Yes, yet again. There's Pope in appearance by Her Majesty the Queen. How are you, Nathan? <laughs> Nowhere. Nathan. Uh, yes. Speak, speak like a royal subject, Nathan, you peasant. Hi. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nathan. You never roll with the jokes anymore. What's your problem, uh, I, there, lad? <laughs> I can't do British accent anymore. Are, are you? Are you slightly embarrassed that the Queen had a, a Roger in good time with Mr. Ric Flair? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Woo! <laughs> 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 Several times, I might add. Several times. Anyway. Woo! <laughs> oh, the Queen. You gotta love her. Yes, yes, you do. You know who else you gotta love? Anybody that's willing to fight with a little man and bring up a good cause and fight for you to win you the the justice that you deserve. And that's the law offices of Stephen P. New, newlawoffice.com. Let's take a listen to more about Stephen P. New. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Great. Thanks again to the law offices of Stephen P. New. That's newlawoffice.com. Go check them out, the law offices of Stephen P. New. Well, let's talk some basketball, shall we? That's what we get minutes of this show. Let's, uh, let's talk a little basketball. All right. So, basketball world. Uh, landscape shift a little bit. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, my wolves are awful. Just letting you know in case you missed it. They're awful. Crossing Towns is out for two weeks. I don't remember if we actually brought that up last week, but I wanted to bring it up this week. Uh, just a few more news and notes here. The Pistons are signing Walton Jr. 10-day contract and then Dragon Bitter is signing a 10-day contract with the Golden State Warriors as well. The Pistons then bought out Markeith Morris and he will be a free agent, free to go where he wants. And as soon as that happened, he signed with the Lakers for the disabled player exemption as the Boogie Cousins went down. So the Lakers get the disabled player exemption. Markeith Morris heads that way. Tim, a big piece of news you and I talked about last week off air a little bit was, not last week, but earlier in the week, we saw that Jeremy Lamb suffered a season-ending injury for the new the Indiana Pacers. That's a big loss for them. 
uh, losing Jeremy Lamb. Veal cutlets for Jeremy Lamb coming up. Yeah, and Lamb towards ACL. He's done for the rest of the season, which really is rough for him as a young man. That's a tough injury to come back from, that ACL surgery, ACL tear. He'll be out for at least um, nine months at the earliest. Probably won't see him after the All-Star break next year. A big blow to Indiana, and, you know, they're struggling as is since the return of Victor Oladipo, trying to incorporate him back into the lineup. Things really clicked. Then they lose Jeremy Lamb. So that's a huge loss for them. Yeah, it's a strange time over there. I'm surprised that they didn't play very well when they when they got him back. Yeah, yeah, they they haven't. Um, they did beat the Hornets the other night. If I'm looking, they they did pull up a win there, and they won pretty handedly, uh, beating the Hornets. It's interesting when you see things like this because it's like, think teams get players back, and it's like, okay, we got this player back. As well now, but then going like a skid. The Indiana Pacers are three and seven in their last uh, in their last team. So, and that's actually of the teams that's playoffs in the East. That's the worst record of the last ten games. So, Pacers are three, three and seven. But they did win the other night. They still have a commanding lead over Brooklyn for six. They're up sixteen games out first. Brooklyn's twenty three. So they got a few games on them. Philadelphia has slipped back into the race for fourth as the 76ers are 14 games back and Miami 13 and a half back. Miami tonight is playing the Minnesota Timberwolves, who, believe it or not, folks, the Wolves have the lead right now, 36-32. And, uh, but early. at the half, Phil, it is early. Give it time. At the half, the, the Philadelphia 76 trail the Cleveland Cavs by 11. At halftime. I like um, that. Again. <laughs> of course you do. Uh, tests on 76er star Ben Simmons revealed he suffered a nerve impingement in the lower back, and he'll be reevaluated in two weeks. Ben Simmons no. is out. Nonsense. He has an upper scapula injury. <laughs> God. Or whatever the hell that thing was that they... <laughs> Un- screw it. He has unbalanced shoulders. Let's just call it what it and is. And a shoulder imbalance. But Simmons is out for at least a couple of weeks now. And Embiid went off the other night. He had 49 in a Sixers win, his career high. But losing Simmons, Jim, we talked about Simmons and what he, can, what he brings and doesn't bring to the table. Is this a Joel Embiid chance to prove that he doesn't need Ben Simmons? That kind of seems to be... <laughs> Um, the way it's that, that people we'll look at this. It's Joel Embiid's chance to prove that he can't carry a team by himself. Well, he did have 49 and 14 as they beat the Hawks on Sunday night. Uh, that was a big game for Embiid there to, to come out with that kind of ball game. Now, granted, he was being guarded by young guys, you know, well, Collins. He's on, uh, he's only played eight minutes in the first half uh, tonight, and he has a whole three points. So, I don't know what's going yeah, on there, but I have maybe there was he tweeted something. Maybe there was injury. Let's uh, I'll, I'll look. I'll, I'll go to see if I can see if there's any been any update on that. Um, but I don't think he's been injured. No, I'm not seeing any injury updates here from him. So I don't know. Maybe maybe on, he's trying to rest him a little bit. The only thing that's heard on Joel is his feelings. 
Well, the big game the other night, maybe they're just trying to take a light on him with them playing the Cavs. And, but this is a regress. I mean, they need to try to get back into that top four, if you ask me. A little bit of load management, Nate. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, that could be what it is. Um, a couple other news and notes to bring up here. Malik Monk is suspended indefinitely for violation of the anti-drug program. And according to this, he ain't coming back until he's in compliance. So, you remember any, Malik Monk um, in Kentucky? Any relation to Thaddeus? That I'm not getting to him. <laughs> you don't know Thaddeus Monk? Oh, well, all right. People, look it up. No. Who is Thaddeus Monk? I'm not telling you. Look it up. Google it. Okay. I'm going to Google now. Thaddeus Moss. Randy Moss's son. But, uh... <laughs> see. Thaddeus Monk, American pianist. No, that's Melanus Monk. Uh, I, I, I don't know who Thaddeus there, uh, Monk is. Yeah. You know what? Maybe I got that wrong. That might maybe it's Thelonious Monk. Yeah, that's what it is. Well, there you go. That'd be why you didn't know then. I hell, I wouldn't have known who Thelonious Monk is either. <laughs> the only monk I know was was on the USA Network. What about what that, about Art? That monk? TV show. Okay, I do know who that is. Yeah. See. Okay. I take it back. But yeah, so Malik Monk out. Indefinitely for the Hornets. This is a young guy that really wanted to get involved this year. And what do you think? This was a dude that was promising at Kentucky. He was really Kentucky's best player at one point. He was a top draft prospect. Charlotte grabs him. Um, a lot of talent, but was a great shooter, but apparently can't stay clean. Um, what's your thoughts, Tim, looking at that? I don't know what it is with guys and the drugs. I just uh... – I think we've had this discussion before about somebody else and why the, I just, you know, the, the, you're going to get caught. I mean, I look at Malik, you know, there's Malik Monk. He's one of those. Uh, Chris Man Anderson was the guy that got involved in it. I mean, it, it killed Lynn Bias. Um, OJ Mayo kicked out of the league for it. For a couple of years. Now what, he, and, now, you know, now, what did he get popped for again? Malik Punk. It just drug violation. Didn't, oh, say, didn't say what. Okay, because there's a, there's a difference between if he's uh, doing it wasn't. Got, it, it couldn't have been performance enhancing. Yeah, there's a difference between think. if he got if he got popped for some kind of recreational drug as opposed to HGH or steroids or anabolics or whatever the words are these days. Um, I mean, never good, of course, but uh, I'd be more concerned if he uh, is, uh, you know, that it's uh, cocaine or something along, you know, that kind of nonsense, as opposed to if he well, was doing and, some steroids. And then earlier in the year, with what happened with Leon Bader and how he's kind of blackballed by the league, um, he got traded from Miami and then immediately cut uh, from Memphis after that trade, and nobody's even looked at him um, after his you know, bad, it was a bad trip on an airplane. We, we still haven't figured out what happened there. I it mean, it becomes, it's, see, it becomes bad PR, man, and nobody wants to touch it. It's very true. I mean, it's something that nobody wants to get involved with is having, having to explain to your, your fan base, your owners, all these people, hey, here's what happened. We had, you know, this guy took something and had a bad trip while we were on air. 
airplane to make an emergency landing. That's why the team's three hours late getting home, and that's why they were sluggish today at the game. And I mean, uh, it's I a mean, lot. have you? I mean, have you ever? I mean, of course, I know you have, uh, sort of facetiously that I say it. Have you ever been on Twitter? <laughs> I mean, do you know the roasting? Really? Yeah, I mean, do you know the roasting that a fan that a, a team's going to take if they take a chance on a guy like that? You got to have one. Uh, it's got to be a really solid franchise with a really solid mm-hmm. owner and a really solid uh, management team to uh, take the publicity hit you're going to take in this day and age for doing something like that. Because Lord knows there's so many jerks out there that, I mean, I'm not I'm not for uh, recreational drug use, but in the same breath, people do make mistakes and they are entitled to at least uh, a second chance. Um, or at least that's how I feel well, about it. Well, it seems as though this is something that I don't think the league would suspend somebody indefinitely a first offense. <laughs> okay, oh, okay. Now, and then again, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging the man. I mean, I hope he no, gets, I'm not gets clean and gets I'm help. Saying, what I'm saying, yes, is okay. So they caught him doing whatever it was that he's that he did. If it is a, a substance that is, uh, you know, coke or heroin or speed or whatever, whatever there is these days, I don't even know. Um, yeah. Like, like the, the announcement should be that he tested positive for a banned substance. And the NBA is doing all they can to put this guy into a rehab situation so that he doesn't become a statistic. And you never hear that, particularly out of the I mean, geez, we talked about this. Pro wrestling does it. How come the NBA yeah. can't? I mean, it seems ridiculous to me that they – I mean, who was the guy that just went through this? Or was that a football player? No. I mean, remember, I talk, remember I talked to Tracy Murray about it? It was a guy who was already out of the league, and he had, and people were making fun of him because he didn't. That picture popped up on Twitter of him. Oh, that was Dante West. Dante yeah, West. okay. You know, nothing happened from that apparently. That nobody seems to care that these guys. I mean, it's going to happen, and I don't understand why they don't have something in place to help these dudes. They make them guys nothing but hundreds of millions of dollars. It's it's wrong. It just is. Yeah, I mean, you think you would think we need some sort of help, something. It's uh, it's sad, and of course, League Monk's not at that point, and we hope he doesn't get to that point. I do hope that he's able to. I do hope he's able to get there. But so. it immediately, it, there should be those facilities. Uh, you should be, have access to, uh, you know, drug counseling and a shrink and all that kind of stuff if you need it. Like, that's silly. Like, okay, in the regular world, all right, of course, there's money involved in that and who's going to pay for it and all that. But that's not an issue in the NBA. Good Lord. They could take uh, one one hundredth of a percent of what that place makes and pay for all of that easily. And a lot of people on Twitter, I've looked on Twitter at this, and it's been kind of, you know, a lot of people reacting and saying, you know, a waste and it's really bad luck for, for the Hornets but I mean I don't know I mean it, it, it's one of those things where we gotta wait and see I don't know if he's released a statement on what's going on I'm gonna try and dig a little deeper for uh, to see what exactly um, 
I'm just going to say. I mean, there, maybe, I mean, there are some guys out there who don't want any help and won't take it. But that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be available. Then the onus is on you or your family or whatever to, you know, at least you, they can't say, well, you know, I was struggling and there was nobody there for me because there should be. And the thing is, Malik Hunt's last five games, 25 points, 25 points, 17 points, 19 points, 19 points. Those were his yeah, last so five games. And then it got he's suspended. Uh, so, again, I don't know if performing enhanced or not. I don't know if it's... But like you said, though, it had to have been something pretty, you know, suspended, suspended indefinitely is a pretty w- wicked shot. I mean... I don't yeah, know. And it's, I guess maybe it's kind of out. the uh, the here is an official release. Monk's suspension will begin with tonight's game between the Hornets and Knicks and will continue until it is determined he is in full compliance of the anti drug program. He's suspended without pay for violating the terms. Um, I don't really know exactly what it is, but we'll. Uh, We'll keep a lookout. So, see just exactly what Malik Hunk because of him, what happens. Let's uh, look a little bit more to see here uh, before we move on. Just a couple other things I want to bring up. Uh, Stephen Curry will be back in the lineup on Sunday when the Warriors take on the Washington Wizards. Steph Curry is back, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see how it goes with him and with uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins and uh, Draymond Green and company as uh, Steph makes his way back to the lineup. What's your thoughts of Steph coming back? Um, I mean, I guess good for Golden State. I guess um, good for the league. But I gotta wonder why the NBA doesn't have, or maybe they do, um, somewhere where that guy could go play a game or two. Under game conditions, but not at the yeah, but not at the NBA level. Well, that's a lot to ask. I mean, you're coming back from the deal. Okay, but okay, but then he should go to the, there and play a game. I would think. Let's see. Maybe uh, well, how do you I win? would agree with that. I would agree. I with mean, that. <clears throat> I don't think that hurts him to find out. Like you know, because it's one thing to practice, but I'm pretty sure nobody on the Golden State Warriors is taking a run at Steph Curry to when he's shooting threes to foul him or anything to see how that hand would really hold up. Yeah. You know, so it might be wise. I mean, just about every other sport I can think of. You know, baseball has rehab assignments, hockey, they'll go down to the minors for a conditioning stint, they call it there. I guess football doesn't, but they don't really have the minor leagues, so really nowhere for them to go. But they at least have a practice roster even. I guess, which, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the same thing. But I don't know. It just seems, I I hope he's really ready to go. Well, we'll have to wait and see again that Sunday as the Warriors take on the Wizards. Uh, You know, who knows what Curry's into. So we'll have to wait and see exactly uh, how he looks. And again, maybe he has played some games. Uh, I think it's a little early for him to be back March 1st. That's a little, little early, but hey. He wants to finish the season. He wants to play, so we'll see what happens. Uh, and last but not least, the Lakers have 
ruled LeBron James out for tomorrow's game against Golden State with a left groin injury. So LeBron James oh. has a groin injury. LeBron, it's always something. Well, <clears throat> what I find interesting about him, and there again, um, I know we got a lot of people who listen who love LeBron. I never question the man's basketball skills. They're beyond reproach. But I do know LeBron gets hurt a lot and then is suddenly magically unhurt. And then he's hurt again. And then, I mean, a groin injury, that doesn't sound like a, you know, that's not normally a day-to-day kind of thing. Uh, either that or the guy doesn't like playing with pain, which is possible. I don't know. It just seems he gets hurt a lot, but never really for very long stretches. Yeah. And he's, maybe it's smart. I don't know. Maybe it's smart kind of kind of doing it. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it might be that he is entirely you know, crazy like a fox, and I uh, just I need a break, and I'm just going to – you know, I ain't playing tonight. Oh, we need a reason? All right, fine. I got a, I, I got a groin injury. All right. How can anybody prove that or disprove it, really? Hurts. You know, same way he always has knee injuries all the time. Um, I don't know. I just, you know how I feel about LeBron. I just just wish he would stick to basketball. It almost seems like he's always got to be ahead. He's always got to be ahead. <laughs> he's taking the game off tomorrow night to do some more, uh, do some more investigation on baseball. <laughs> He's gonna go. He's gonna go out to commissioner again tomorrow, and he needs his rest. Uh, he needs to fight, but somebody needs to fight, bud. season until we get Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. But nevertheless, um, before we move on, I do want to take a second and uh, thank some more great sponsors, Stay Classy Meats. If you haven't seen it, man, they've got some great stuff over at StayClassyMeats.com going on, and they had some bone. Like, I think it was a bone-in pork rib. Oh, my God, it looked so good. Nice, thick bone in there, and I don't know what anybody said. If you're a griller, smoker, barbecuer, you got to have bone in there because that is where the tender comes from, ladies and gentlemen. If you want tender, Stay Class Meats is the way to go. What? <laughs> huh? Oh, I, I don't I know. I can't really... I can't. Well, I was gonna say if you want tender, call Elvis, but you probably probably would have loved me tender. There you go. Well, you can always swap right. That's the uh, tender right uh, there for people. Oh. Who want tender. Well, Head over to Spicy Meats. August, but anyway. I just I can only. I have to take your word for the state classy meats because it's not available in Canada. Unfortunately, it's not. But hey, never say never, my friend. I hope it gets there eventually and uh that's something that, that everybody needs in their life stay classy meats let's do some more from our friends at stay classy meats stay classy meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices head on over to stayclassymeats.com and use the promo code wide men to save 10 percent on your order that's right if you head to stayclassymeats.com you can save 10 percent on your order with promo code wide men but that's not all not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meats that you will not want to miss out on. 
you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality products out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. Again, thanks to our great sponsors over at stayclassymeats.com. Online meat market, come out, Stay Classy Meats. And, uh, man, we got some cool stuff coming your way this episode. We're going to be talking to our guy, a couple of guys, about Elam ending. And it's a big debate that has opened up to a lot of people these days, Tim. You know what we did? We went to the heart of the matter. And you're going to hear a couple talks in a little while. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about the Elam ending. Were they not good conversations of him? Well, they were both really good, and uh, I, I had a joke, but I won't even throw it in there till later because you spoiled it. Well, kind of. I mean, it, I mean, I never never really thought about it, but the Elam ending isn't that like a you know fifty two yard field goal? <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah, you know, that I mean, was good. I can't believe that we didn't think of that when we were talking to yeah. him. Yeah. The only well, time, I, the only thing I thought of when I thought of Elam was uh, the old actor from the old westerns, Jack Elam, who had uh, uh, see, one I eye go, left, I, one eye to the right. I immediately go to Jason Elam. Immediately, it's the first thing I think. I should have went to that. Man, I'm surprised I didn't. But uh, game all right. Go oh. wide left, wide left, wide left. <laughs> and and to our Buffalo fans. Apologize for that, but there's, uh, no, there's there's no Buffalo fans. Who are we kidding? Oh, good buddy James is a Buffalo fan. He's a diehard. Poor guy. You got me. And uh, yeah, it helps anyway. <laughs> yeah, and our boy uh, Don Wilkins up in uh, Charleston, West Virginia. He's a big uh, Buffalo Bills fan okay, as well. well so. I, t- I take it. Well, you know, everybody's got a vice. You know, everybody does, and everybody's got and everybody's got something they love, and this is something. That I love Bush Lee. That's right. It's the, it's the Thursday morning dance routine of one in August. It's Bush League. As we look at three clips, three nominees for Bush League, and then and our own Tim Dombrella determines the winner here <clears throat> Hold this on, week's Nate, edition I, of I, I'm, I'm having, uh, I'm having uh, computer issues. Hold on. I'm, I'm getting Not there. Not a problem. Not a problem, but Bush League is coming up. And All right. I'm, I'm, I'm loaded. To head over to Twitter and check out these clips as well. We've got some great stuff in your way on Bush League. So, uh, Tim, let me know when you're ready, and we'll get going. Um, l- l- let me do this for a second. Okay. All right. So Tim's taking a mild siesta, as they say. Right. Armando right. can translate that for you. I'm ready. Let's let's hear it. All let's right. Our first clip is from the Bucks Raptors game, and uh, before we get into the clip, I do want to say I love those jerseys, but Kyle Lowry. Gets the ball to George Hill's leg with the ball. And Nick Nurse has this look on his face like, what are you doing? <laughs> Check it out here. He tries to literally go through his leg. And it's just like, yeah, I don't think you can do that. 
<laughs> Tim, are you with me? We may have lost him. I think we've lost this clip. And our and while we wait on Tim to return, I'll tell you what we'll do. We're waiting on Tim to come back. And it, this is terrible when it happens right in the middle of a, of a great segment. Uh, it's a shame. But we'll say Bush this week is brought to you by our good friends at Strip Cam Fun. And, okay, there's Tim. We'll, we'll get to Strip Cam Fun in a minute. Tim, are you back? Hello? Oh, damn it. <laughs> Hello, this is your queen, Nate Bush. I've Welcome been back. selected by Commissioner Silver to tell you that... You have uh, copyright infringement with the National Basketball Association. Well, that's nothing new. But the uh, first we Bush require a payment of ten thousand dollars in Bitcoin. Well, you can call you can call Armando Martinez to get my payment. And if we much. hear but, from uh, Tom Robinson, uh, he owes us fifty dollars. <laughs> You'll get the ten thousand from me before you get the fifty from Tom. But anyway, are you with me? Um, uh, I was. Uh, Hello. Uh, uh, full disclosure, I, I, I took an electronic hit there, and I'm I am returning. So, hold on. Okay. Be all is all as well. Long as all, I'll tell you what. The take a quick timeout. Yeah, play time a commercial, and I'll I'll be back asap. All right. Well, we're in this segment sponsored to you by the good people of Strip Camp. Fun. Let's hear from them, shall we? Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to stripcamfun.com. On Strip Cam Fun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at stripcamfun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires. And you can take advantage of the good times being had on stripcamfun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because stripcamfun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun. Be sure to visit right now. It's stripcamfun.com where you can strip on camp and have some fun. Our wonderful sponsor over at stripcamfun.com. They really are some great people. Go check them out. Enjoy yourself if you're over 18. That is definitely the place to go have some fun. Stripcamfun.com. I'm still trying to join us back here in just a second. So soon, when, as soon as he returns, we return to Bush League. And that's one of those favorite segments of everyone's, and uh, it's one I enjoy as well. And uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in this week to Women I mean, Can't Jump. We hope to have a little bit of uh, cool stuff headed your way here over the next month on the show. And again, if you haven't checked it out, uh, we've picked up some Patreon members. We'll have some new Patreon stuff headed your way soon. I'm in some discussions here with some people, and I hope and uh, everything will work out. And I do hope we're able to get these people on Patreon for you and you enjoy it. Also, want to give a big shout out to uh, our good buddy Bob Blaze. Uh, he's doing great as always, and Jeremy Vilmer, co-host from the Bell Bell 
Bobby podcast. He started a podcast called Sling 101. So big shout out to Jeremy as well. So uh, best of luck to him. And I want to thank everyone that's actually listened into a couple of wrestling podcasts that I have been on. The World View of Wrestling is my radio show on WVOW Radio in Logan. You can check it out at WVOWradio.com. 101.9 FM in Logan area in West Virginia. If not, WVOWradio.com. Click on podcasts and streaming and you can find all that. And of course, the In This Spring podcast with me and Joe Pisapia, the author of all the fantasy black books you'll need to dominate your fantasy league. We do a wrestling podcast called In This Spring. Episodes come usually every other Thursday, uh, but th- there's going to be a special one this week, so we hope you enjoy it as well. Wait for Tim to get back. As soon as he gets back, uh, we'll continue book league. Now let's hear from our good friends at Atomic Comics Collectibles LLC. Uh, they've got some great stuff on sale. You want to head over and check them out. Oh, well, before we go to that. Hello, Tim. Are you back? I have returned, Nate Bush. Welcome Better than back. Ever. All right. Tim All 2.0. Right. Are you ready to continue Bush League? Yes, I am ready. All right. Tim's ready to continue Bush League. All right. Here we go. Our first nominee again. As we look at it one more time, Kyle Lepre tries to go. Between the legs of George. This doesn't get cool. He tries to go between the legs of George Hill and Nurse has this look on his face like, dude, you can't do that. What are you doing? <laughs> that, are you is, seeing this that is Kyle Lowry's attempt to be a Billy Goat, I believe. <laughs> or a small ram of some sort. Or something. And, oh, or he was trying to play a really ass backwards game of Leapfrog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real. <laughs> it was almost like that's he was a, trying to form a, a train there, or something like that. That's a very strange play, and uh, the reaction of uh, Hill is kind of like Nurse. really. And then Nick Nurse is just like, "What did I just see?" Yeah. I don't know. And uh, I do love the Raptors jerseys, though. Those were sweet. I love those Raptors jerseys. Good old Raptors. And uh, Kyle Lowry, you know what that was? That's Bush. Bush League. You hear me? All right. Our next nominee, J.J. Reddick from the University of uh, Duke. <laughs> One of the all-time <laughs> Welcome for that. And uh, he shoots a three, and he hits the top of the glass. Nowhere near. That's surprising from a guy that's normally a knockdown shooter, J.J. Reddick. But- but really, that's not the best part of this clip. Clip is this awkward volleyball type block <laughs> to knock the ball out of bounds. I didn't, I didn't see that just now. What, what he was doing? What in the hell is that? I think he, he heard like the whistle high... that hit the back glass. He was just trying to knock it out of bounds. He, he just, just kind of it. like, it's it. like ah, oh, oh, it's yucky. Get it away from me. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I didn't notice that. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the shot is kind of okay. Yeah, that that that's not good. But that the end of that play is absolute magnificence. Hands <laughs> of pretty stone. Great. Well, both guys uh, in this clip, JJ Reddick and a, yeah, I believe Kevon Looney, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's Kevon yeah, Looney. A, you know what, guys? You know what that is? I mean, that is Bush League. That's Bush League, man. Yeah, that, that's a that's a double right there. Let me tell you. <clears throat> Absolutely. And, uh, speaking of double, Ray on Rondo, a Sunday 
in the Lakers-Celtics game, just throws the ball up in the air out of frustration, and uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope heads up. His wasn't up, and <laughs> don't. <laughs> right. he, needed his, he needed his Pope mobile. <laughs> he needed <laughs> He needed something because that ball just came down right oh, on his dome. That, that's just, like, you know, do you, do you fight the urge to go over to your own player and want to punch him right in the mush? Just <laughs> clocked right on top of the head. Oh, man, that's too great. It, you know that, what it is? It had to hurt. Oh, yeah, you know it hurt. You yeah, know that it had to hurt. coming down at a pretty good, pretty good pace to it, you know. Or, yeah, so and uh, it just blocked him and... You know, when it comes down like that, when it comes when it comes crashing down, it hurts inside. You know what it is? That's Bush League. Ah. Yeah, that's Bush League. Uh, All right, Tim. Three picks. Who are you taking uh, here for the Bush League? I mean, uh, you know, uh, reverse uh, leapfrog's pretty good, but no. Um, Pope Mobile. I kind of like that one, but but no, it's not strong enough. I definitely have to go with, uh, and no offense to any ladies listening, uh, what appears to be middle school girl volleyball player with the block out of bounds <laughs> by that guy. Cause that well, is AJ just, Reddick and Vaughn Looney yeah. have uh, have been declared the winners by Tim Dombrova, and that will earn them a date with the queen. So, boys, enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what makes the Queen happy too? Seeing Ed Barnes dance to this music. All right. Sir Ed Boggis signed night the a night of the pearl. Sound like the night that night Sir Robert Eaton of the Blue Bloods. <laughs> Nevertheless. <laughs> yeah, right up there anyway. But anyway. You're, moving you're welcome. Tim, let's look at something that's been bouncing around, at least on my Facebook, the past few days. And uh, you and I talked about this off air last night, but we didn't go into online right now. There's a big call for a lot of people to go through all 30 NBA teams and name their favorite players for each team. Which is interesting to me because, you know, we all got our favorite team, our favorite players, etc. But to go through every team, especially people that watch a lot of sports like you and I, and to take our favorite player of all time from each every team, I thought was a really cool concept. I didn't go online and post mine. I'm actually you didn't, about uh, it. <clears throat> you didn't happen to see our good friend and sponsor Steve New going after Casey King for some of his selections? I did not actually. I'll have to look that up. I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. Steve, Steve New apparently uh, <clears throat> not a fan of uh, some of uh, Casey King's uh, basketball picks. But anyway. uh, I'll have to post mine uh, after we do the show here, and uh, we'll see what's said. And uh, hey, News, welcome to his opinion as well. Oh, but sure. uh, well, tell you what, we talked about so. it last night, and you said, you know what, I can throw in some stuff here and there. He says, but you said you're not sure you got a favorite player from every single team of all time. Yeah, I don't think I do. So, well, 
actually do. So I'm willing to to take this challenge live on the air and have you give me a team name and I'll give you uh I'll give you my answer. Basically well, based li- on that. I, ha- so. I I have a list in front of me. We're good to go. All right. Well, give me just a second. <clears throat> Excuse me. And some of these are gonna be clear. Some of them you're gonna go, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's the superstar. Yeah. It's the guy that you think it is. But some some may be different. One never knows. No one does know. But here we go. Let's uh let's have some fun with this. So this is the third PBA teams. I'll name my favorites from each of them. And uh and now again, this is not who I think is the best. This is who I think is this well, my favorite player. There are no wrong answers. They can't be. Exactly. Exactly. Right. These are my right. favorite players. All, All right, Tim. Right. Me with Drum roll, please. Drum roll, please, Nick. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, kid, anyone with kids around, cover their ears briefly for a moment. What the fuck was that? <laughs> You're a drummer. Jesus. Anyway. I did my tongue. That's what you said. Well, All right, anyway. <laughs> Great lines. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> and right, you know, yeah. I usually do that with my tongue. You know what's going on in the background? Yeah. <laughs> I've right, enough of that. I think I would have went with constant craving myself, but anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> My coat of many colors. That's my own. I got to go, go out. But anyway. Anyway, all right. Uh, favorite players on teams. Let's go. Uh, Let's as per Nate Bush's list, that, uh, the the Lakers. Uh, got to go with Kobe Bryant. I grew up watching him. Enjoyed him. It was really after Michael. He was the player that got me into you know watching basketball closely yeah. again. No, that's it's the, a kind of a, that's, of a boring that's pick. The, that's the PC pick. Well, it's, it's, it's truth. I mean, I can honorable it's, mention it's, shout out to Glenn Rice, though. Glenn Rice shout oh, out. Dude, how can you – like, okay, so yeah, but I guess there again, there now it depends on a, on, on your age, right? Because for me, it's yeah, Magic I mean, Johnson. I, well, see, I wasn't around for Magic Johnson. Right. But okay, so that, that's fair then. No, yeah. no issue there. All right. Um, 76ers. Ben Simmons. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Markel Fultz. No, just a joke. Markel Fultz. <laughs> no. Um, uh, Erlen's Noel. No, I, if I have to be serious and, and think about the 76ers, man, for my age, uh, I know Dr. J was the man, but, man, there was nothing like Allen Iverson when I was growing up in terms of what that dude could do at his side and what he could do uh, dribbling the ball. It was so good. He literally took that sixteen to the finals by himself. He had Matumbo uh, and him, and then you had like Eric Snow and Aaron McKee, just guys that you that you wouldn't think could get to the final. AI took them there. I mean, yeah, Iverson is. I, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, Iverson. What about him? That's what I just said. Well, I thought you said Allen Houston. I heard in my head. No, Allen Iverson. Oh, all right. What about? Um, <laughs> What about some of the some of their older players that were pretty big names? I mean, um, I, I, I like Dr. Jack. 
of course. Dr. I mean, J. He was an all-time. Uh, yeah. Hal Greer. Barkley? Oh, Barkley was a good player, too. I mean, I can't deny any of that. But for me, at my age, uh, it was Iverson because Barkley, I remember Charles Barkley on the Suns because that's how my age goes. Yeah, no, no, sure. I'm just, I'm just throwing names out there. All right, fair enough. Um, Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. Oh man, I do love me John Stockton, and I like Jeff Hornacek. I like Darren Williams. I like Andre Karolinko. Man, eight forty-seven was nice. Oh, I got to go with Carl Malone, man, the mailman. That dude was awesome. There was nothing you could do with the guy as big as he was and just brutal as he was. And second all-time leading scorer, the mailman. He's an all-time legend. I got to pretty much agree there. Well, I do love me some Stockton. I do love me some of those players that played for Utah uh, back in the day, too. Like, I, I mean, seriously, Andre Karolink, AK-47, honorable mention of the dude. Big fan of his. Right, um, okay, this one is going to be quick and painless. The Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> Michael really? Jordan, and uh, I'm going to show some love to my man Tony Kukoc. Uh, love me some Tony Kukoc. The only other answer I could maybe see if you start became a fan of the Bulls after Jordan was gone. Derek some Rose. people might is Derrick Rose. Yeah, some people might say Scottie Pippen perhaps because he was there for a while when <laughs> Jordan wasn't. But well, Dennis Rodman was another guy. Some people liked him, but I mean, overall, I mean, if it isn't Michael Jordan, then I, I don't know. You're not. You don't like. Yeah, Chicago, probably. it's probably going to be Jordan, unless you're a big Derrick Rose fan. Um, another shout out to Lou Aldane. I liked him. He was a good player. Oh, that's a name. Um, all right, another, uh, another Dookie. Uh, Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks. Now this. One's tough because most people are going to go Dominique or Spud Webb. I'm going to go in my back machine here and go to Pistol Pete Maravich. Maravich? Yes. That's a Paul. I was a huge Pete Maravich fan after watching some videos of him and George Gervin doing the, uh, the shootout. He did a game of horse uh, that was incredible. And Maravich played for a lot, a lot of places. Played for the Hawks, played for the Jazz, et cetera. But, man, Pete Maravich is uh, going to be probably my all-time favorite Hawks. So I'm going to go with Pistol Pete. All right, fair enough. I, I'd probably go with Wilkins on that one. Yeah, Wilkins is a good one. Shout out to Josh Smith. Josh Smith was a nice piece there in Atlanta for a while. Uh, Phoenix Suns. Mm, now, this one, this is where it gets interesting. Phoenix has had some, has had some players. Um, you know, Mark Stoudemire, Steve Nash. You know, had some good ones. Um, but, I mean, when I go back, and I think about that son, the Sons of Old, and, you know, they were really good back in, back in the mid-2000s. But, again, go back to childhood, man, and all I can think about is Charles Barkley. I really like Barkley. So. Yeah, Barkley was Barkley's up there. I'm gonna have to go with Nash, but I'm a Canadian, so that's well. You, that's uh, you have to. You don't have to. Kind of a kind of a kind of a given there. But uh, all right, fair enough. Uh, this one for me is also easy. Boston Celtics. Oh yeah, this is this is another another gimme. Larry Bird. I mean, they've had some you, other great players, but if, I mean, oh, 
dude yeah. had a lot of great players. But but when you think Boston Celtics, at least if you're of any age and any kind of a fan, you pretty much got to think of Larry Bird. He's got to be at the. Well, he's got to be up Larry there. Larry anyway. Bird. And Larry Bird was a guy who was not naturally God-given talented. Larry Bird worked for everything he got in terms of basketball talent. Uh, so yeah, Larry Bird for me. I uh, loved him growing up because he was just so talented and he was a great shooter and. He, he could do so much and a really killer mustache too. But uh, and trash talk you got, like you nobody's got your hat. Celtic great Bill Russell and Kevin McHale, Bob Cousy, uh, you know Robert Parrish, guys like that. Even into Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen, and just all those guys that played for so many years. So I'm gonna go with Larry Bird. Yeah, Larry's the franchise there. He doesn't know. Yeah, that, still, still, that's still revered. Yeah, still, still revered. Uh, Dallas Absolutely. Mavericks. Dirk fan. So, Dirk, um, kind of a an easy pick there, but nah, yeah, Dirk, he, but he changed I, the game. But I think it's the right one. I mean, uh, yeah, I got, I got to go with that too. I really can't think of anybody. Well, else he can change the game. As far as Eastern Euro- Europeans coming over, and he became a star. He was one of the first big European stars in the NBA. So, quite a, yeah, quite a long time. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Nets. And never left Dallas. Yeah, stayed there too. Yeah. New Jersey Nets or Brooklyn Nets. Okay. Now. I guess it is now. Yeah. This, now, this one is going to get you in your, in your go back machine here. There was a guy left us too soon, draws Petrovich. Uh, yeah, he was fantastic. This is a guy that could have been dirt before dirt. He unfortunately died in a car accident uh, just after he had really started to, to get noted here in America. But if you go back and watch his on the Yugoslavian national team, it, dude was good. He could really been something. He, he unfortunately uh, passed away at too young, and uh, there's a great 30 for 30 on him and uh, Body Divock. I highly recommend it. Shout out, though, to the Nets, uh, Keith Van Horn, Kerry Kittles, and Lucius Harris. So, those guys are cool. And Jason, of course. So, I'm going to give credit. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, Portland. Ooh. Portland Trailblazers. There's a lot of good players playing in Portland. Um, a lot of good ones, believe it or not. You know, Damian Lillard is pretty damn good. But when I think Portland, the first guy that comes to my mind is Clyde the Glide Exeter. For me, that's the guy. Um, Alton. Bill Walton's actually the only guy to get that city a championship. But I'm going to go yeah, Clyde you know, the Glide. And yet I think of Walton. I think of the Celtics. I don't know why, but I do. First. Anyway. Uh, he won the title before the NBA got majorly yeah, televised. Yeah, yeah. And when it was majorly televised, he was on the bench for the Celtics. Uh, but he won it for Portland. Fair enough. Um, okay, this one I would have trouble with because nobody comes to mind to mind immediately. The Clippers. Okay. Two names jump out at me. Um, I'm going to go with the road less traveled here. I'm going to go Darius Miles. This was a dude that was really hyped coming out and was a very good basketball player. He never worked out. Um, Clippers had a, had a lot of misses early on in, in the franchise career. 
mean, Michael McCandy, Corey Maggette. Uh, there was quite a few players there, but I'm going to go Darius Miles, and uh, he just beats out uh, Baron Davis for me. Baron Davis is a solid well, but I'm going to go Darius Miles. I don't know why. When I think of the Clippers, I think of Blake Griffin. Well, and that's a lot of people. Uh, he was really one of the first big stars they had. Because yeah, that's, really that's a lot the of these that's... guys are not big-name stars. Yeah, yeah, that's just a name that pops up when I think of the Clippers. But All right, uh, Golden State Warriors. Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen. A beast of a player from the Big East, man. Chris Mullen was awesome. People do not give the dude the credit he deserves. And he was a fantastic basketball player. And he really was they were bad. Well, I'm sorry. He was there. I said most of that is because they weren't that good when back in the day. Yeah, I mean, he played for St. John's, um, and he was a general manager for Warriors for a while as well. But Mullen is a dude. I'll tell you what, another shout-out. Uh, actually, you know what, I take it back. He haven't got to his team yet, but uh, we'll talk about his team in a minute. Right. I'm going to give a big um, shout-out to, uh, to Chris Mullen and, uh, of course, you got to tip your hat, man. Curry's pretty damn good, but Chris Mullen's my time favorite. He would be your modern. He would be the modern era pick, probably. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would, I would go. All right, uh, Miami Heat. Anybody but Jimmy Bob. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> the Miami Heat. Another. This is uh, this is kind of another one. This is you know, there's a few I think of when I think Miami Heat. Um. And this is a tough one because this one you you can go with Dwayne Wade, uh, who was great there. You can go with Shaq or LeBron or Bosh. Ray Allen was there. Um, man, my Heat. That's a tough one. Do you who do you think of when you think Miami? Heat? For me, for me, I mean, I know a lot of people go with LeBron, but I think of Dwayne Wade first. Yeah, Dwayne Wade's the guy that, that first popped in the mind, but every time I hear. Miami Heat. I, I, I'm gonna have to go. I think of he was the guy who mm. you know really kind of put that team on the map. I mean, they had some great players down there for a long time, but I'm just you know, Don Haslam's another one, of course. You know, Tim Tim Hardaway. Yeah, I won't argue. I gotta I go with argue the, that, but I can go with Alonzo yeah, Morning, yeah. dude. You're okay with that. Um, Indiana Pacers. Reggie Miller. I loved Reggie Miller. I was a Reggie Miller fan. Uh, he uh, was about, such a great player. What about the guy with the ears? What about him? Who's that? Didn't I send <laughs> you a picture of that? Isn't there that guy with the crazy alien ears? Didn't he play for the Pacers? Uh, uh, you can pause me, Tim. Really? I can't think of the... I'm, I'm drawing a blank uh, here, dude. No, I sent, I, I sent you. It's in your uh, messages there. I sent you a picture of him. About the wrong team. Oh, Why that's Bo- Boban. Boban. Yeah. Oh, you don't play for the Pacers. He plays for the Mavs. Oh well, then he should have been my my favorite. Sure. For yeah, he's still, he still. I think he still plays for the Mavs. He did. I thought he played for Indiana. Uh, I mean, unless he went there recently, I don't recall right offhand. Could be. Well, I, I, he's my favorite player of all time. I don't really care. 
Well, there you go. Uh, those ears. Yeah, he's Dallas Maverick right now. Dallas Maverick. Uh, so. Okay, fair enough. Nice to hear yourself. Anyway, sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I, that's the only person I think of is Reggie Miller. I can't think of anybody else. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't really think of anybody else right offhand. You know, Roy Hibbert was good. Paul George was good. But uh, Rick Smith was another guy. But okay, um, yeah, I, right, I always right. go with Reggie Miller, man. All right. Uh, Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets. That's uh, that was a thinker. You go back to that's the nineties, and the Hornets had, had some good that's a teams. Tough one for me, uh, but that's a still a tough one. I'm, my, not, nothing is coming into my mind, to be honest. Modern <clears throat> modern people yeah. would say Kimball Walker because he was really the only thing the Hornets had in a long time. Um, me, Bugsy Bugs was good. He was so small, but he was so quick. But man, Grandmama, Larry Johnson. All right, okay, uh, I, I, that's I, my I, pick, I'm man. On, Larry Johnson. Okay, he I'm, was, he, I'm on board with that. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Raptors. Uh, I'm gonna go with Chris Bosh. I really like Chris Bosh, the Raptor. Like he was a uh, he was a guy that I, I he really shined as a Raptor to me. Now I know most Raptor fans might say Kawhi Leonard. But no, but I'm gonna go, no, I'm no. gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Chris Bosh. I really like Chris Bosh. How can you how can if you're how can you not take Vince Carter? That's a good one too. Vince Carter's pretty good. I mean, he's really the first superstar that Toronto really ever had. Tracy Brady was there too. Now he was he, he wasn't was there for very player. long though. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I just was a Chris Bosh guy, and I always liked the way he played. Extended four, who could knock down a nice jump shot. I was a, I was a boss guy. All right, fair enough. Uh, magic. Now here's one that's coming out of left field. <laughs> I'm just gonna warn you. <laughs> this is one nobody's gonna see coming. Uh, Rashad Lewis pick. I was a big Rashad Lewis fan. Uh, they had a team, and they were so good. This Magic team was back when Dwight. Was healthy. It was like him, Dwight Howard, Jameer Nelson, Rashad Lewis, Hedo Kergaloo. I mean, that Magic team was good. They had Martin Gortat coming off the bench. Uh, I love that name. Like, Rashad, Rashad Lewis could knock down a shot like nobody's business. That dude was so good at shooting at the three position, and he was an oversized three. So. Yeah, I'm going Rashad so Lewis. I mean, and it, it's not it, count. It, I, you got to give credit to Shaq and Penny yeah, Hardaway. It's, it's it's not Shaq or Penny Hardaway for you. No, it's Rashad Lewis, and that was that was I like. I really liked Rashad Lewis. Trying to show off your deep basketball knowledge, you Mark. No, man, I was really into Rashad <laughs> Lewis as a player. I liked him. Fair enough. Yeah, you're allowed to like whoever you want. There's no like no wrong right, answers. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no wrong answers in this one. Uh, Detroit right. Pistons. Darko Milicic. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, still would have been a right answer. No, actually, that one I would consider wrong. Um, the guy that I like was, uh, man, he was such an asshole. But he wanted to win like somebody's business. I like Bill Ambeer. I mean, that dude, Lamb... Go ahead. Uh, that dude was just a jerk at everything he did. But I tell you what, he was there to win the ball game. If you wanted somebody to win, Beer was the guy. Uh, I'd love to get Rodman down. No questions, but Bill Ambeer, 
enforcer. He was a tough guy in a league where you had to be tough. And I maintain that bad boys team is what made Michael Jordan into that killer player that Michael Jordan became. So I'm going to go with Bill Lamb here. Yeah, I mean, people, shout out people, to Dick Rodman, though. Yeah, people throw out Isaiah Thomas, maybe Joe Dumars. Joe maybe. Dumars. I mean, Green, Isaiah, Tom- Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas would get it if it was only based on his playing career. But what that guy did as a coach and a manager, he should be almost ban- he should almost be banned from the Hall of Fame for that stuff. But because it was god awful. I agree with you. Oh yeah, I mean, he talked about a ruiner of teams. Not not good at the management, that's for sure. No, he was not. Uh, no. Okay, this is a hard one for me. Wizards okay. slash the, the the Washington Bullets. Manute Bowl, baby. I'm kidding. Manute Bowl. My bowl is Manute very small. Bowl. I need more food. Since I'm seven foot two and weigh eighty seven pounds, feed me. I'm Riho. <laughs> the tall Riho. Uh, Manute Riho. Uh, or a, or a really bad college football game, the Riho Bowl. Um, Gilbert Arenas is the first name that comes to mind, but I'll be honest, I wasn't the biggest fan of his. The guy I think of, though, I think of the Bullets, and a guy who's a Hall of Famer, and a guy I refer to a lot in broadcasts, Wes Unseld. Okay. Um, that, yeah, that's, he's one of the best passers, especially to be six foot seven. Uh, that you'll ever see. I'm going to go West Unseld mm-hmm. for the Wizards. Uh, you know, Bullets franchise, they haven't had a lot of greats, unfortunately. No, they're, 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 there's happy. probably somebody way back, but I don't know who that would be, but there probably is one. But I mean, they got to have yeah, some franchise. they got to have some franchise leaders in something. I mean, oh, another shout-out. So. Another shout-out for the Bullets, in which Tracy Murray, our guy. Well, see, I think of him as being, he's just a Raptor for life for me. So, eh, he would have raised that long. It, honestly. <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of wanted to stay there, didn't he? But anyhow. Um, uh, okay, th- this one will bring up some conversation, I'm sure. The New York Knicks. Mm-hmm. Some all time greats. I mean, Willis Reed, Bernard King, Walt Frazier. It's been some good ones. Uh, when I think of the Knicks, yeah. First guy that comes to mind, John Stark. I John was, Stark. Uh, I, like, I never couldn't stand him, though. A lot of people couldn't, but I always liked the way he played. The reason why John Starks comes to mind is my cousin actually gave me a John Starks basketball jersey when I was a kid that he couldn't wear anymore. He gave me two jerseys. He gave me a Tony Coach jersey and a John Stark jersey. I'll never forget them. So I wore those all the time. I had those, and I had Reggie Miller Team USA jersey. Those were my first three basketball jerseys as a kid. So uh, I'll go John Starks for this one. Allen Houston, Patrick Ewing, greats. Uh, you know, tip your hat to Melo. Uh, we may see Melo later on in this list. Who knows? But those are the guys you know, I'm going with. You know, you know. Okay, I think Patrick Ewing, of course. But the one I really think of that makes probably make people laugh, but I remember it was such a big deal is Jeremy Lin. Yeah, Lin Sandy, man. Lin that, Sandy he was a big for, deal. For, for a brief while there, he was the toast of the town there, and they hadn't had much to toast about for quite some time. So, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah anyway. it really hadn't. Uh, all sure. right, moving all right. moving on. De- De- Denver Nuggets. Well, remember when I said we might call his name later? Here it is, mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony. Uh, this is the guy that came to the league from Syracuse, and I feel he deserved Rookie of the Year. His Denver Nuggets were very good, and the Knicks had to basically give up their entire team to get him when they made that trade. But to me, Melo, a lot of people will always remember Melo as a Nick. I'm going to remember him as a Nugget because that was when I got into to watching the, the Denver Nuggets basketball team. Um, some guys that, that you might mention for Denver, you know, Dikembe Tumbo. I think Nick Van Axel had a run there too. Um, Chauncey Billups played there for a little bit. Um, I mean, there there was some there was some good ball players in the there for a while. Fareed, uh, Nene, and then Jokic. Now uh, I'm gonna go Melo though because I remember Melo as a Nugget and how good he was. All right, um, Milwaukee Bucks. Out pure. I'm gonna take the Greek Freak just because he's probably one of the greatest that you're ever gonna see. Um. I gotta be but, honest. I don't. I, I don't get much else coming to mind when I think of the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, you could go Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was the Bucks there for a okay, while. Well, that's to their... way back there, though. Oh, uh, it's it's back. Like, it's like Luol Center back there. Um, but I mean, Michael Red is another guy you could talk about. Ray Allen was a guy who, who played there. Um, really not much. Milwaukee ain't had much to crow about for a long time. No, I mean, they no, drafted they... Joe Alexander and I don't know, but that, I think, you know, Greek for that's the guy for all me. Right. Um, all right. Before I, I ask you the next one, I have to remind you, we only have 45 minutes. The Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay. <laughs> Kevin Garnett. I love Towns. It, I yeah, just love he Towns. He hasn't been there long enough to eclipse Kevin Garnett. Yeah. I mean, ask me this in 10 years. Towns is still there. I'll probably say Towns. But for now, Kevin Garnett, my all-time favorite. Um, Malik Selly, uh died while he was a wolf. So, he, he deserves a shout-out. Pooh Richardson, another great. Uh, Kevin Love had some great years in Minnesota. But I'm going to go with you know, Walter Zerviak, too. Zerviak, he deserves some love. But I'm going to go Kevin Garnett, obviously. And uh, honorable mention to Jimmy Butler. Kim. All right, fair enough. Uh, All right, more left here. San Antonio Spurs. Ooh, I hate the Spurs. I hate the Spurs, but... Um, man, I'm going to go Robinson. Admiral. That's... That's my pick would be David Robinson. I remember when he's he always came seemed like a dude that I'd want to root for. Um, I like him Duncan. I'm not fond of Jenobi Parker, even though they were great. I'm taking that away, but personally, I couldn't stand him. Um, so yeah, uh, maybe maybe even a little Sean Elliott love there too. Um, Keith Bogans. Yeah, David Robinson's pick. I remember when he got selected and what a big deal it was and how this guy was going oh, yeah. from the Naval Academy and all that and that's yeah uh, alright oh, Michael Finley too shout out Michael oh, Finley okay. all right. the Seattle Supersonic OKC Thunders here's yet another one coming out of left field that look is my sorry. pick here uh, sorry I, you cut out on me there I didn't hear that 
Death Shrimp. Death Shrimp? Pick. Okay, I know. Yeah. I, was, I really liked him. I like Sean Kemp. I like Hershey Hawkins, Gary Payton. A lot of those guys. I was a Detlef Shrimp guy. Uh, of course, a lot of people are going to say, you know, Westbrook or Durant. Detlef Shrimp, boys. That's the guy. It's, it's funny that, uh, you know, if you go with uh, – oh, no, no, I'm having a brain cramp. Not the guy you pick. Not Shrimp, the other one. Oh, uh, Sean. The camp. Yeah, that if you uh, if you called him by his nickname now, you'd probably get chastised on social media. Oh, I guarantee it. Yeah. So we won't say it right now. No, oh, we I won't. Said it. I said it right now. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm I'm going. Yeah, I'm, I'm Sean Camp. I remember he was a big deal too. Man, child, and all that stuff. Well, he was. Uh, he was a monster. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Zach Robbins or excuse me. Zach Randolph. Zach Randolph. Was a big Debo guy. Zach now who who uh, was Memphis who was Memphis previously? Vancouver. All right, so then the so then the obvious answer is big country. Oh yeah, you get the country. <laughs> well, to be honest, when the franchise was in Vancouver, it would have been big country because, man, did they ever blow that one out of proportion. Oh, yeah. Did they ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Byron Reeves, man. Byron Reeves. I mean, they, they, he could have had some of the greatest numbers in NBA history and not lived up to the hype because, oh, man, did not. they – did they hype that to the point where that poor guy collapsed under the weight? And he wasn't. He that good had anyway. no chance. Yeah. He had no chance. All right. So where are we here? Uh, four to go. Pelicans. This is a relatively new franchise. Because you have to go back to the Hornets days. Um, so I'm just going to go with Anthony Davis right offhand. Actually, you know what? Screw him. Zion Williamson, by God. Yeah, I was going to say, that, I mean, if you're going to pick a guy when you're talking about the Pelicans, it's Zion Williamson, even yeah, though he's only I played mean, like a handful of games. Got to pick him, man. He, he's a beast. So I'm going with it. I mean, he's going to be, by the looks of things, he's going to be something. Pretty, he's going to be pretty good at the very least, um, and he is the talk of that team. If anybody's talking about New Orleans, that's that's what they're talking about. So, Oh, for sure. Okay. Sure. Now we got a we got another hard one coming up. Uh, okay. The Houston the Houston Rockets. This one's not that hard for me, believe it or not. Right. Um, well. Tracy McGrady. Uh, he was a monster for them back in the day. I love Tracy McGrady. Uh, I will give an honorable shout out to Robert Ory though. I did like Robert. no no love for the flopper. No, through him. I mean, I would pick Hakeem <laughs> over over any of these guys, really. But like, I really like Ralph. Ralph Sampson. I love Ralph. I, hey, shout out to Jim Peterson, man. He's another rocket that in the past. Even he was the backup for Ralph Sampson and uh, and Hakeem Olajuwon. He's been on the show a few times. Weren't they? Am I getting this in my math, in my wrestling history mixed up? Weren't, wasn't there twin towers there at some, at some yeah, point? Yeah, yeah, that was Samson and Elijah. Yeah, okay, so there you go. How can you not? Yeah, well, I'm on board on that. Look at me pulling stuff out of my ass. I'm yeah, look at 
Yeah, I told you you'd have uh, more on this than you thought. Uh, okay, this one is one I don't have anybody for because I'm not sure if the guy I'm thinking of even played for him or not. The Sacramento Kings. A special clip himself from Rand, West Virginia. He and Randy Moss played on the high school basketball team. Jason Williams. Okay, I do know go that, Jason man. Williams. Why? Yeah, and I, you know what I think uh, of? This is ridiculous. But for some reason, and I, like I said, I'm not even sure if he played for them or not, but I Sacramento Kings, and I somehow in my head, Mike Bibby comes up. He did. He was their starting guard. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, see, I am just a walking Wikipedia of knowledge that I don't really understand. Hey, you you know more than you think. <laughs> and you said right. the most obvious for last, or at least I would think in most people's estimations, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Craig Elo. <laughs> you just had to shit on the LeBron train, eh? <laughs> I'm I'm not a LeBron fan, so this is my favorite guys. I liked Craig Elo. He was a hell of a player. I mean, I gotta be honest. Uh, I'm a bigger. I mean, I I don't like LeBron either. So of course he's not going to be my favorite. Um, you know what? I take it back. All right, not Craig Elo. Not Craig Elo. Big Z, Zerunis Galskis. Oh, Two I'm going with. Yeah. I'm a. You got. You know who I heard? Whose name I heard more? Um. When Cleveland was good, and but he wasn't a player, was their coach. <laughs> I Lou. Yeah, I knew. I heard Ty Lou's name more than I heard anybody's, except, and it was always immediately followed or preceded by LeBron's. But I heard that. I mean, but I knew that name. That that name was I associated with Cleveland probably more than most of their players because I didn't know who the hell they were. I mean, there you go. Yeah, him than anything. Then I've got one more for you for honorable mention. Okay. And you're going, okay. but, Tim, there, but Tim, there's only 30 teams and we've covered them all. This is true. But we have not okay. covered the most important league in the world. Uh-huh. Okay. The Shinston, the Shinston over 40 league. Ed Boggess all day, it every has, day, baby. It has to be the, the, the Shinston sinkhole Ed Boggess, correct? Absolutely. I mean, not really anything that man can't do. I mean, have you, ever seen a, have you ever seen a guy shoot a three while eating matzo sticks? I haven't, but, you know, yeah, he can do it. I've seen it. I've seen it on YouTube. I've never seen it in the flesh, but I've seen it on YouTube. I mean, that guy. It's amazing impressive. At, amazing athlete and dancer, I might add. Absolutely is. And All right. I'll tell you what, Tim. We finished that up, and that was that was actually pretty fun. I had a good time doing that. That, that was a good time. Who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll do some more stuff like that. Um, one thing, though, we got to get to it. The Elam ending. We've talked about it at length with a couple of guys. We dived into it. We talked with Dr. Nick Elam himself. We went to the source for you guys when it came to the Elam ending. We talked to Dr. Elam, and we really, we break it down. Where did he come up with this idea? How did he come up with it? What's the, the basis? What's the concept? For those that may not know, we talk all about it. Ready to go to this, Tim? Uh, yeah, let's hear it, Nate. Let's do it. Here we go. Our conversation with Dr. Nick Elam.
Well, here on Wide Men Can Jump, we are very happy and excited to probably bring on the smartest person who's ever been on the show. That is Dr. Nick Elam, who is famously known for being the inventor of the Elam ending, which you just saw recently in the NBA All-Star Game. Dr. Elam, thank you so much for jumping on the show. Hey, it's great to be with you. I think you're giving me way too much credit, but I, I appreciate that nice introduction there. No, no problem. You can copy and paste that everywhere you go if you want. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I want to start off here. My broadcast partner, Tim, is with us. I just want to ask you, the Elam ending, where did you, when did you come up with it, and what was the inspiration? Yeah, the, so I'm a lifelong basketball fan, and so it's always been disheartening to me that so often the quality and the style of play deteriorates late in the game where you have the leading team stalling and playing very passively. Uh, the trailing team, when they're on defense, they have to foul and hand away free points. The, when they're on offense, they have to rush and force up ugly shots. The whole combination of factors makes the outcome of the game very predictable. It makes late comebacks unlikely. And so what we get are many big games and good games throughout basketball history that just kind of fade out with a whimper without one signature moment to carry on. And so it was in 2007 when it dawned on me that all these different phenomena are attributable to the game clock. And, well, what if you just got rid of the clock for the last part of the game? Would that address these issues? So, so that's where it started, and it took some time for even me to sell myself on the idea that the idea was really necessary and sound and that it had the potential to be very cool. But once I was able to convince myself of those things, then the really tough part started of trying to convince others that the idea had merit. And that took 10 years before uh, the concept was finally implemented for the first time in 2017 by TBT, the basketball tournament. So how did you go about trying to convince people that this was a good idea? Did you like put together presentations? Did you uh, basically go on maybe speaking tours? How, how did you try to present this to different organizations and leagues? So in 2007, this was what turned into kind of this uh, consuming spring and summer project that culminated in a book, actually, that I distributed to people all throughout the basketball world. And uh, that was, so that was the start of it. And then and as the years went on, it was about writing letters or emails or uh, phone calls to people in the basketball world just trying to, uh, again, generate some discussion about this concept. Finally, in I think it was 2013, I had the chance to write about the concept for um, sites that had their own gatekeeper. You know, they gave me a chance to write about the concept. And again, it was just more and more just reaching out, just thinking, hey, I'm, you know, I'm just one more call or one more email or one more letter away from having a breakthrough here. And, and that breakthrough came with TBT. Tim, I know you had some questions about the Elam ending. Go ahead and, and uh, hit Dr. Elam with one. Dr. Elam, could you, for people who are listening, uh, what were the differences between what the NBA did with their version and your version? Because they're not the same, correct? So, yeah, the, the Elam ending in a nutshell is that you play most of the game with a clock and you play the last part of the game without a clock. And there are different versions to that, uh, which I all you know, laid out all these different versions in 2007, uh, one where you'd actually get rid of the clock for the entire second half, another that you would get rid of the clock for the entire fourth quarter, and that's what the NBA implemented at the All-Star game. And then another version, which I actually prefer, is what TBT uses, is where you just get rid of the clock for the last few minutes of the game. Uh, but, again, you know, all these uh, – any league or, or event could kind of tailor the Elam ending uh, to whatever is their, uh, is their preferred method. 
Okay. Um, so then I wonder with television and advertising, how does that work if there's no clock? Is there like we're going to have TV timeouts or is that something that, yeah, I guess individual leagues would be able to tinker with that however they wanted to or. Yeah. I mean, they, they'll always find a creative way to uh, get through their commercial inventory already. Uh, just either this year or last year, I think for the first time we're really seeing leagues start to do split screen advertisements during free throw attempts. You know, even if it's the first quarter, they'll go to a split screen and do an ad uh, there. So, I mean, there's always some creative way uh, to get through that, that uh, commercial inventory. Now, uh, one of the reasons that I prefer that format where you would just get rid of the clock for the last few minutes is because you would keep the clock around all the way through that last media timeout. Like for college basketball, uh, you know, their last media timeout is at the under four-minute mark of the second half. That's what I actually uh, favor for college basketball. You would keep the clock all the way until that under four-minute timeout. Uh, You'd go ahead and have that last media timeout, and then and only then you would come back uh, without a clock for the final stretch of the game. Okay, so the one more quick one, then I'll give it back to Nate. So would you figure what are your chances, uh, NCAA first, and then maybe something like the G League possibly before NBA gets it a crack, if they do? Well, the, the tricky part is I don't get a vote on these things. All I can do is – Oh, no, I, I, yeah, I realize that. But in your in your opinion, who do you think would be uh, I mean, in my opinion, I would have implemented this at every level of basketball in the world 13 years ago. So, I mean, <laughs> I, at, this, at this point, I, I don't care who's next, but I'm sure someone uh, will latch on to it next. And especially when I look for college basketball, you know, they, they like to experiment with rules during the postseason tournaments like the NIT or the CBI and the CIT. And you just know that they're having discussions right now uh, about, you know, whether whether or not they want to explore the Elam ending. One of those tournaments is going to have the guts to try it. I just don't know who's going to be first, but it'll be interesting to see. I want to ask, you know, the the TBT was the first to implement it. Did they make an agreement with you on how they were going to go about it? Did they have to contact you to get the rights to it? How does that go about? And then how does the NBA go about contacting you for the all-star game? Can you kind of tell us that story of how that came to be? Yeah. So, so did you ask about TBT there? Yeah. TBT first. And I'd like to hear about the all-star game and how they, how the NBA contacted you about it. Sure. So, you know, as far as like intellectual property, rights go. I mean, there are some things that I can be protected and other things where it's not quite as easy to protect. Uh, But, you know, whatever I'm able to protect, I've I've tried to cover those bases as much as I can. When it came to TBT, I mean, what what I made very clear to them was that, you know, I've always had this underlying fear that finally someone was going to embrace this concept and that they were just going to say, all right, we'll see you later and kind of leave me in the dust. And so I always appreciated that uh, TBT w- really went out of their way to make sure that I got credit as the originator of this idea. They they were the ones who named it the Elam ending. Uh, they have redesigned their game ball so that it has my signature on the game ball. I mean, all these different things, uh, you know, that they, they um, you know, really want to make sure that I get credit for the idea. The NBA, it, it's very nice. It was a very nice gesture that the NBA contacted me in advance of their announcement and they thanked me for my passion for the game and my innovative ideas. They told me that in their 
uh, discussions with the Players Association that the players really see a lot of merit in this idea of an untimed finish to games. And uh, then they laid out, you know, exactly how the All-Star game would work with that untimed fourth quarter, which, again, you know, that's, a, that's one of the versions of the Elam ending. And then they, the NBA told me, hey, we're going to send you and a guest to All-Star weekend as a guest of the NBA. And so it's great that they're acknowledging me behind the scenes like that. And I just hope and I'm confident that the NBA will eventually uh, publicly and in a lasting way uh, credit me as the originator of this all. Um. One thing I did want to know, at least, you know, they were nice enough to send you to the All-Star Weekend. Um, you know, you worked on this as a summer project, you said, when you developed it. Um, do you see this as something that we should – you said you would want to put it in. Would you even want to start all the way in, in, you know, like the Buddy League system? Because I know a lot of Buddy Leagues aren't keeping score. Would you rather them go to keeping score and doing this untimed uh, fourth quarter or – untimed, you know, last few minutes to set score thing? Is that something that you would be interested in? I love this question, actually. I love it. Um, so, yeah, when you get to levels of play, when you're, you know, where the ages are young enough, uh, you know, for if it's like gym class or something like that, uh, one thing you notice is that the players are not really conscious of the clock there. They are just, you know, they're just going all out every possession, back and forth. It doesn't matter what the score is, how much time's left. They're just going all out. And I guess in any kind of a level of play like that, you don't really need the Elam ending because nobody's really trying to manipulate the clock there. But once you get into levels of play where uh, teams really start to manipulate that clock, if they're ahead, where they really start to um, go into a stall offense late in the game or if they're behind and they, they have to resort to that deliberate fouling strategy or they just force up ugly shots, any level of play where the clock really has that overbearing influence, then I think uh, the Elam ending would be worthwhile. But when it comes to like the super uh, like little bunny leagues and, and things like that, where they just go all out every possession, no matter what, you probably don't need the Elam ending there. Tim, go ahead. One more question from you, and then I got one, and then we'll let Dr. Elam uh, get back to what he was doing. Yeah, you go ahead, because I'm fascinated listening. Well, to finish it off, Dr. Elam, I just want to ask you this. Did you enjoy seeing it at the All-Star Game, and now it's being praised? It's probably the best All-Star Game in NBA history, and after seeing that, do you feel like now maybe you're going to try and implement some rules elsewhere? (laughs) But how pleased were you? Uh, with the Elam ending at the All-Star game, because everyone is universally praising it, saying it's fixed the All-Star game. It, it was a thrill. And, I mean, I had high hopes going into the All-Star weekend, but it even exceeded my expectations. And a lot of the credit goes to the players for, for playing hard. I think that was really a key part of it, too. But, you know, I think the Elam ending does lead to uh, more focused play, because, again, you, you get rid of that electronic third party, and now all the focus is what's going on on the court. So, and the feedback was just uh, just really great. I mean, on Twitter, you know, when you look through Elam ending comments, you know, as the game was unfolding or, you know, into this week, you know, 90% of the, the comments on Twitter about the Elam ending were positive. And, you know, someone once told me it would be hard to get 90% of the people on Twitter to like free beer, free ice cream. And so for 90% of the people to like the Elam ending <laughs> says a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely 100% true oh, yeah, but, that, That's not wrong, nope Well, Dr. Yeah, Elam that was, that was real. 
we we thank you for your time, and I know you're busy, and I, we could go on and talk about this all day, but I, I know you're a baseball guy as well. Um, any ideas on an Elam uh, baseball rule that might make the game a little quicker, a little bit more competitive? So, yeah, I, I absolutely love baseball. Um, and it wouldn't really be like the Elam ending, although it is an idea that uh, I think it's an original idea of mine. Uh, because I think baseball faces some pretty serious on-field concerns of the pace and the length of the game and the overabundance of strikeouts and walks. And so uh, I do like the idea of having an automated strike zone just to get calls more accurate, but I think if you have an automated strike zone that it actually opens the door for another concept that I call the dynamic strike zone. And the way the dynamic strike zone would work is that you would start every at-bat with a strike zone that's pretty small, smaller than what we see now. And after one strike, the strike zone would expand to about the size that we see now. And after two strikes, the strike zone would actually get a little bit bigger than what we see now. Now, what this would do, it would force pitchers to throw the most hittable pitches early in the at-bat. And for hitters, it would totally get rid of this mindset that, hey, I'm going to go up there and try to work the counts or see pitches. As a hitter, you would have a tangible incentive to try to put the ball in play early in the at-bat. And right now, on average, a a plate appearance lasts about four pitches on average. But if we could knock that down to like three and a half or three pitches per plate appearance, you would knock out dozens of pitches over the course of a game without getting rid of any of the action. And so I think that that might be um, a cool idea for baseball. But we'll see where it goes. Wow. That's brilliant. Uh, (laughs) I'm not even that big of a baseball fan, and I like the sound of that. Uh, but you said you had a book out. Uh, do you have any plugs anywhere people can follow you? Anywhere they can possibly get your book about the Elam ending? Anything like that you want to plug while you're on the show? Yeah. So you know, back in 2007, I wrote a book and, and self-published it, and it really wasn't meant to be a big uh, seller. It was more really just to have a paper trail to be able to say if it, you know if ever the idea had this kind of a breakthrough, to be able to say, all right, now this is where I all laid it out uh, on paper. 13 years ago in 2007. So, but I'm right now actually working on a, a new updated book to talk about, uh, you know, just the the evolution of the Elam ending and, and where it's been to this point and possibilities for the future. So um, still in the stages of writing that, but who knows, maybe in the next year or so, we'll be able to publish a book and uh, that'll be fun to, to see people's reaction to that. Well, I hope you do, and if you do, I will uh, get with you, and maybe we can PayPal you and get a couple autographed copies. I think it'd be pretty cool to have. I'd like to like to see that. But that uh, Doctor, e- yeah, Doctor Elam, thank you so much for taking some time to talk a little basketball with us. Tell us about how you came up with this idea. I think it's really interesting, and I like where it's going. And I uh, hope baseball listens as well. So, thank you for your time, and we hope you have a good rest of your day. All right, thanks so much. You too. comic books and collectibles then you are going to want to check out atomic comics and collectibles llc they buy and sell comic books action figures pop funkos vintage video game system vinyl records and other collectibles retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty they have fair and competitive pricing on all their items their prices will make you say oh my god 
Apparently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Thanks to our great sponsors, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and Dr. Nick Elam. For being on the show to discuss the Elam ending. Well, that is Elam ending. And Tim and I were joined by Brendan Riley from VU Hoops, who wrote an article a couple of years ago about the Elam ending and why it won't be accepted. So now let's look at the other side of the Elam ending. Shall we go to it, Tim? Let's head down that road, mate. Well, joining us tonight on Wide Men Can't Jump is Brendan Riley. He's the senior writer and editor for Villanova University Hoops. And, uh, you know, we're uh, our other co-host, Tom Robinson. He's from up in that area, of course. So the Philly area is near and dear to the Wide Men Can't Jump's heart. But, Brendan, thank you for jumping on the show and talking some basketball with us. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. And the reason we have, and I know a lot of you are going college basketball. Nate, this is an NBA show. Well, on July 25th, 2018, uh, Mr. Riley here put up an article on SB Nation. It's called Why the Elam Ending Won't Catch On in College Basketball. Now, Tim and I have been really diving into the investigation of the Elam Ending the past few weeks. And you'll even, you heard us speak with Nick Elam earlier in the show. Well, let's look at the other side, because the Elam ending, cool, worked in the All-Star game for a one-off, one worked pretty well. But here's why the Elam ending, according to Mr. Riley here, won't work. So we're going to look at your article from a, a couple of years ago, and we're going to break down the Elam ending. So before we get into that, you kind of scouted the Elam ending a little bit. You looked into it. Uh, you watched a little bit of the TBT, I'm, I'm imagining. Yeah, I actually was able to get up close and personal. The TBT really originated uh, here in Philadelphia. Uh, It was held at Philadelphia University for the first few years before it started going much more national and picking up steam. Uh, And one of the reasons it got so popular is the Elam ending. And um, while, like like you said in my article, I don't think it catches on in – any type of regular season basketball, I do want to give it some credit as an innovative way looking at the game. And what Mr. Elam has done is what I hope the game continues to do, which is try to find ways to evolve. And just because this isn't, in my opinion, the right way to go or the right path to go, it starts giving you ideas. It opens up conversation and it's what basketball needs to continue thriving and developing at all levels of the game. Yeah, and your article was very interesting. Uh, I got to read through it some. Tim read through it as well. Uh, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and open it up with you. Uh, You just recently read the article. Go ahead and uh, let's see what we can dive into here with this article. And by the way, I will post a link to this article 
once the uh, the show is out. I'll, I'll, it's on the page right now if you're listening. I went ahead and shared it on Monday night. Go ahead and check it out. The article is up. Uh, but if not, uh, Tim, go ahead. Check it out. Uh, let's get into it here. Okay. Well, we'll get right. I think we'll get right to the point of it. Um, I guess statistically speaking, it doesn't really do what it purports to do very often. Is that correct assumption? Well, what the game, what the whole idea behind the Elam ending is, is to sort of. Uh, eliminate fouling or make the game more pure or get the gamesmanship out, if you will. Find a way to make it pure basketball right to the final buzzer. And what we saw in the NBA All-Star game seems to be like, there we go, product done. That's exactly what it was trying to do. And then a one-off exhibition game where you're just trying to play the game at the highest level, yes, that can work. The problem is if you tried to apply that to the regular season, it's going to have the same effect that the current game does, which is people are going to find ways to game the system. Um, the big thing that it tries to say is it's, a, it's going to eliminate fouling from the end of the game. Again, yeah, it might eliminate fouling from the end of the game, but it's not going to eliminate fouling from the time right up the four minutes, right up until the Elam ending gets triggered because the team from behind knows they have to find a way to come back in the game Fouling is still an effective way to do that if you're down and need to come back in a hurry. Um, it also doesn't necessarily eliminate it during the Elam ending. I mean, if you have the option of guarding straight up against uh, uh, some elite guards that you now don't have to foul the second they inbound the ball, what's to say you're not going to try to double those guards or make sure they have to get the ball into the hands of their center who's a 55% free throw shooter, what's my best chance to play straight-up man defense against their star players or send their worst free throw shooter to the line? You essentially are going to have to bench him for the whole Elam ending. Otherwise, you're going to, he's going to get fouled and still sent to the line because I think I can make a better comeback if I just have to go against him shooting the ball. Okay, and then I, I'll take it even further. I would argue... Now, granted, I'm an older guy, a bit, a bit more of a purist, I suppose. I don't like the idea that we're not going to be able to exploit a player's inability to shoot free throws um, or that, that it takes that sort of chess match aspect out of the end of the game or attempts to anyway, where you will yeah, foul I, I, a guy who can't shoot and, you know, to get possession back, et cetera. Yeah, I do think that chess element remains, even with the Elam ending there. In theory, it works. In theory, it's there. But what you're going to end up seeing and what we've seen in the proving ground that is the TBT, which I have to give credit to um, the basketball tournament, it's been a phenomenal source of almost like a, a basketball laboratory of trying things out over the years. And I give it a lot of credit for that. But what you see throughout the Elamending is, you know, if a team's getting blown out, a team's getting blown out. I mean, if you're up by 20 points when the Elamending gets triggered, you pretty much know who's going to win the game. In fact, uh, in the year that I wrote the article, there had been 48 games played 
through the basketball tournament that season. And I think in just 4% of them, the team that was trailing when the Elam ending got triggered was able to come back and actually win the game. Now, part of that is because people are still figuring out how to best come from behind in that scenario. Part of it is because you have some really out, uh, the, the competition is not necessarily on a level playing field in a tournament like the TBT, so you have a lot of blowouts. Um, but uh, I, I think it speaks for itself that while it's a cool idea and it works in certain scenarios, the NBA All-Star game being probably the most perfect scenario you can have for this type of ending to get the results you want. But when you go to the regular season or if you go to the playoffs, I, I want no part of it. Okay. Because um, I was oh, – sorry, Ned. I got one more, and then you can, you can have the floor. Um, I had I had wondered, A, about uh, they would deal with things maybe that some people weren't thinking about, such as uh, television commercials, uh, how long the game is going to take or not take with that ending. Um, do, you, do you foresee a, a problem as far as even – with players where you could have a night where we might get to the four minute ending and it might take two minutes to end a game. Seven points might not take very long, let's say. And you might have a game where a team was, it might be down by, I don't know, they're down by 20. And for some reason they go on a 12 0 run and that game takes significantly longer to end. And suddenly teams are not even close to being on a, uh, level playing field. And nowadays that seems to be a big deal with load management and $40 million contracts and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head of why it will never actually catch on. <laughs> uh, now, granted the basketball tournament is a televised contest, so they go through that, but you're absolutely right in that in my opinion, and I unfortunately don't have the data to back this up, but you are going to have a greater variance in how long that end-of-game scenario takes. Now, in fairness, you probably have a similar variance in games that are blowouts versus games that are close enough to require fouling at the end of the game. If it's a blowout, they're just going to run out the clock. The game's going to end on time. If it's a close game and it's going back and forth, you're going to have timeouts. You're going to have fouls. The game's going to take the what people complain about right now, extra 20-some minutes for the game to end, even though there's only two minutes on the clock. You know, you might have taken the clock away in the Elam ending. That doesn't mean that the game's not still going to take another 20 minutes to end, especially if somehow the teams start you know, going cold from the field. Then you've just got miserable basketball you're watching for 20 minutes. Right, but you could have a, a scenario where one game may actually take uh, 46 minutes of actual clock time to play, and another one could take 50 or, or longer or shorter, depending on how those last four minutes play out. Certainly, certainly, uh, especially, uh, especially if, as we said, fouling is not necessarily taken out of the game. And it, this is much more of an issue for the college game. But if you start getting into a situation where half your team's in foul trouble and a decent amount of guys are starting to foul out of the game and you have to go to some of the less skilled players on the bench that 
might not be as equipped to score at late in late game scenarios like that, the game really could get extended far beyond what's intended. Fair enough. Yeah, and and then you got to take into account uh, one thing that a lot of people don't want, and, and this was the biggest chief complaint of the All Star Game: games ending on free throws. Uh, people did not like that, and that is one thing that can happen with this Elam ending: is your game winning shot, and everybody says, "Ooh, a game winning shot! That's going to be exciting." Not necessarily; it could be a free throw, and I think that's another aspect that a lot of people really didn't like about this Elam ending and they said oh we need to change the rules to where the this game it can't end on a free throw well if you do that then when you're about to get the game winning shot what's to stop somebody from just clotheslining you or a tackle or something like that you know I mean that's something I think you got to think about exactly one of the main pitches of the Elam ending is oh you know every game is going to end on the game winning shot Every game they do, game they do that already. Yeah, every game does have a game-winning shot. Sometimes it's in the third quarter, but every game has a game-winning shot. The shot that got you the most points. True. Like that, that's always that. And especially for me as a, as a Villanova fan, what the Elam ending takes away, you'll never have a buzzer beater again. Exactly. Uh, for Villanova fans that have wa- – had the Chris Jenkins shots win the national championship, arguably one of the best shots in college basketball history. Uh, I never want to lose that. You look at the NBA playoffs um, from even just last year, Kawhi's shot to beat the Sixers, that, that shot's gone in the Elam ending. Uh, I, I can't see a world in which you take away some of those moments just because you want to have a quote unquote game winning shot in a game that ends up being decided by 25 points. Yeah, I mean, look at the, you know, Jordan shot over Elo, Jordan shot from Byron Russell, uh, you know, the alley-oop from Kobe to Shaq, and and all these iconic moments that we've came. Now, granted, you may get a couple of them, but it's all about the buzzer beater and, and all these shots. You bring up the Jenkins shot that was so big, and I remember watching that, and it was just like, wow, what a shot, because as soon as he called it, I said, he's making it. Um, and the Elam yep. ending, while it has some good merit to it, it does take away a buzzer beater, which is, as you pointed out in your article, the most exciting play in basketball, really bar none. Yeah. And like I said, there is no perfect solution here. The current game we have, the rule set that we have, has its flaws. Yes, there are endings to current basketball games that are just, you sit there on your couch, you're going, enough already. Like, to end the game. Let's go, guys. Get this over with. But there is, there is no perfect solution. And I appreciate people that take the time, put in the effort, and try to find new ideas. Because new ideas is what injects life into the game. It what's, it's what makes us think about it. I mean, you think about the game today and how it's played. The three-point line was a new idea. That was something that someone came up with, invented, and, and it has worked immensely. Not every idea works. Everything can have its place. I do think the Elam ending is a great way to breathe some life into the NBA All-Star game. But when people want to give it credit for what made the game more competitive is this new ending, how competitive the game is is completely determined by how invested in the game the players are. 
if they're not going to play their heart out and defend and, and really try to win the game, it doesn't matter what ending you put on it. It's, it's going to have the same result. So I think this is a better way of showcasing their efforts and having them be able to be competitive without having to worry about the fouling and the gamesmanship that's in the game today. But at the same time, it does truly stem from the players. And I think that's where that competitiveness is going to come from. Not necessarily the Elam ending. Although, like I said, I think it worked great this year for the all-star game. I think it's perfect for exhibition games. Uh, And, you know, we'll see where it goes. We'll see if there's additional improvements that could be made to it. Yeah. And I I like certain things about it, but if you look at it, here's a couple of reasons why I think it was successful this year. One, the game was close. I think that is, is something that we need to look at there. Number two, the entire fourth quarter of the All-Star game was no commercials, completely um, no commercial breaks. I think that had a lot to do with it as well. Uh, there's yep. a lot of stuff that plays factors into that. Um, and I, I'm sorry, Tim. Go ahead. I wonder if anybody has broken down what that game would have looked like if the target number only would have been seven. Well, that's the thing with that's the thing with the Elam ending is they did an entire fourth quarter untimed, whereas your normal Elam ending would go the last. It's basically you get to the last four minutes of the game, you add seven to the team lead, and then you're done. Um, so we'll see. Because we'll I wonder too, is there is there any scientific reason or or what's the theory behind the seven? Is that just an arbitrary? number or was there some math done for seven or does anybody it's not completely arbitrary seven points you're looking at at least three possessions so it, it gives it's trying to get the game finished and complete in a more um i, I don't want to say it's trying to end the game quicker but it's trying to get to those seven points without having to doing it from the free throw line, um, which doesn't necessarily, it doesn't, I don't, in my opinion, I don't think it necessarily accomplishes that. The other reason why you want to have it seven and not, let's say 14 is because if a team is already up by 25 points, when the Elam ending gets initiated, you don't want it to be so extensive and long that you're just, taking forever to get to an eventuality. So the three possessions from what my research saw and what has been talked about with the games is probably about the right amount to keep the game close enough in those last four minutes to effectively give people a chance to have to earn the win, but not so much so that you're drawing out an inevitable conclusion. I'm going to guess that somewhere somebody will be taking maybe last year's NBA season or last year's college basketball season and running that through a statistical model to see, okay, if we would have implemented this, can we at least get some idea of how it might have worked and whether it would have made any difference or not? It's possible, but the flaw there is – there really is a different strategy to the Elam ending as opposed to the last mm-hmm. four minutes of any game. 
So mm-hmm. I don't know if just applying that to the final four minutes would actually give you a realistic view. If you want to do a more in-depth study, I'd say looking at the TBT tournament where they've been doing this for, I think they're on their sixth year now, maybe seventh. Um, yeah, I think it started in uh, 20, what was it, 2014? Somewhere, somewhere around there. Um, But so you have several years now of running an entire tournament and every game has the Elam ending. So it's getting to a point where you have enough data there to see how that has affected the game, how people are playing it um, and how effective it is at, I I mean, it really depends on on what your goal for the end of the game is. Is your goal just to eliminate fouling? Is your goal to give teams a chance to come back? What What is the purpose of altering the ender? Well, I personally would rather see them come up with ways to speed the game up a little bit more. Now, I don't know what those are necessarily, but well, I'd, I'd rather see that. The Elam ending is supposed to do that, but then again, there's times it does and there's times it doesn't. Like uh, Like Mr. Riley said here, you get guys in there, and if it's close, you're getting timeouts back and forth, back and forth. Let's not take into account replay. Oh, my God. The Elam ending with replay could be a marathon. I mean, that what could just be we, a nightmare. Plus, it eliminates – well, uh, this eliminates one of my – I actually love love overtime. And to me, overtime – like, imagine true. we don't get the – with this ending, we don't get the uh, – the Syracuse Yukon game went to six overtimes. It was so groundbreaking and, and revolutionary. So that's another yep. way to look at this ending. Um, elimination of overtime. However, if the goal is to speed up the game, you you want to eliminate overtime. You don't want to have to go there. True. I mean, that's if you're looking to just speed up the game. I like overtime. Though. I think it's fun. Um, and that six overtime game was incredible. But – I look at it from this perspective of this ending offers some good things, some bad. I don't know how we can incorporate it, but when it was looked at, apparently the NBA All-Star game, the way it ended, and everybody praised it, it was actually longer than if they had done a timed fourth quarter. Not by much, but just a little bit longer. So their goal to actually speed up the game there kind of failed a little bit that had somewhat to do with playing the entire quarter as the yeah. ending as opposed to just the final four minutes. Yeah, um, I think so too. Just because, yeah, that, that's probably the more time you put into it, that's what you get. But uh, I, I, I will say I don't want to come up as completely black bashing the idea because like I said, the reason the NBA is so great, the reason college basketball is so great, the reason the sport is so great is because it's an open to evolution as the years have gone on. I'm not saying every idea needs to be implemented or that this is necessarily a route the NBA should consider going. But I like the idea that people are out there thinking about how do we improve the game? How do we make things a a better experience for both the people involved in it and the fans watching it at home? Um, like you said, everyone's going to have different opinions on what that is. Some people want the game to be played faster. I'm with you that I love overtime. The more basketball I can get, the better. Uh, and I do love watching teams 
actually go at it, have to play defense as opposed to they're desperate to get back into the game. So they're, you know, trying to foul. Now there's a strategic element to that. Absolutely. But the reason there's a strategy is because you're desperately trying to get into the game and this is the only way. So uh, could there be a way to improve it? I'm sure there is. And we just haven't gotten to it yet, but as much as I applaud the Elam ending for what it's trying to do, I just think it misses the mark. Well, Dr. Elam talked with Tim and I the other day. He brought up something. I'll bring it up to you. Uh, I don't know if you're a baseball fan. You happen to watch baseball any at all? I do, yep. Okay, well, you're in Philadelphia, so you probably should watch the Phillies. Otherwise, people will come at you. Um, (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I'm not the biggest baseball fan in the world, admittedly. I think it's too slow. Dr. Elam threw the idea out of of another idea he's had with sports of having an expanding strike zone. Now, what he means by that is getting – well, first we would get automated strike zone callers, or not automated umpires, basically. It would say, this is a strike, this is a ball. Then the first pitch is a smaller strike zone than normal, which is forcing pitchers to throw strikes and try to make hitters have to swing. Second pitch would be a normal strike zone. Third, or second strike, I mean, not second pitch, but second strike. Third strike, on the third strike, the strike zone is bigger than normal, and it would actually cut down on the per-plate appearances, as Dr. Elam explained it on this episode. So I don't know how you would feel about that. Seems like an interesting concept it would be worth looking at. I'm sure there's some shortcomings to it as well, but... I don't know. It's just this is a guy who's a Mensa member. He's just coming up with ideas left and right, and I, I can't argue with the man. He's come up with some some pretty solid ones. I I think that's a very intriguing idea. However, I think that while similar to the Elam ending, conceptually fascinating, statistically flawed. First yeah. off, this is my this is my initial just hearing this. What he's assuming is that we don't have an expanding strike zone already. And if you watch any baseball game, you can very much know. They, they show that little box on TV now. There are ref, or umpires that are calling balls and strikes both inside and outside that box. So I, I wouldn't yeah, say that that's, <laughs> yeah, that's you're, necessarily you're, not already. You're happening. immediately in trouble because who's going to define that strike zone? Oh, yeah. And yeah. then, okay, let's just assume we go to an automated system. We now have robot umpires. Everything is precise oh, and accurate. No, no, no. How, no. Much do you, how much do you expand the strike zone by on each pitch? What is that amount? What is realistic? And what happens if the guy keeps throwing the ball off? How big is that strike zone going to get? Like, <laughs> 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 you're gonna get the uh, you're gonna get the uh, I don't know if you saw the or if you you probably did uh, Major League old movie with Charlie yep. Sheen just, yep, yep, yep. yeah, just, 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 just a bit outside just a bit outside yeah so like like I said conceptually it's a cool idea I really like guys that can come up with interesting and intriguing ideas that open up for debate oh. and we can talk about it and. I don't mean to be a guy that sits here and finds the flaw in everything and says, that's why we can't have it because I can find flaws in our current system of baseball, of basketball. The question is, 
which one of those is going to be more entertaining? Which one of those is going to be a better experience for the player and the fan? And so that's really where the debate has to go. Right. But if I'm if I'm sitting here and picking the just playing devil's advocate here, that, that that one seems to me to be pretty easy to pick apart. And the day baseball goes to robot umpires is I'm the done. day that that whole sport is going to change. Yeah, you can't. I don't like the idea of. I mean, everybody complains about replay, even when they get it right. A lot of people complain it takes too long. The human element needs to stay in sports to some degree because it's what makes it a little bit more interesting a lot of times. You know, when a strike, you know, different umpire, different strike zone to some degree. I mean, if a foul's in basketball, we're all, well, we're going to, the umpire, robot umpire that calibrates out some kind of formula and decides whether it's a foul or not. Now, I'm you right know, with you. I, I like you know, that. I just don't want to see that. That's too much. Yeah, I mean, again, of course, it's all up for debate. So that that's what makes everything so great, and that's why we love sports, and that's why we talk about it here. And uh, the TBT, I just found out, it's going to be in my neck of the woods this year, Charleston, West Virginia. So I'm pretty pumped for that. I mean, I mean next, Nate, we're going to want a uh, NCAA uh, ranking system that makes sense. Uh, why, Come on, man, why, you know. <laughs> Why, why, Duke can, why, why Duke can lose to a, an unranked team by 22 points and only drop one spot in the ranking? I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure it's, out how West Virginia stomped, stomped Texas a month ago and then lost to them by 10 tonight. Oh, well, okay, anyway. But, but that you can figure <laughs> out. But, I mean, some, thing, some things, there's, there just has to be that element of whatever you want to call, whatever word you want to use. And that's kind of what makes people talk about the sport and what gets people – Involved and oh, did you see that horrible call last night? Blah blah blah. If that had been on my team, I you know blah blah blah. And that's what gets people interested in stuff. You sound like every Saints fan I've ever met. But anyway, <laughs> I think we'll leave it at that. And Brandon, I thank you so much for jumping on the show and talking with us and explaining uh, your viewpoint on the Elam ending. And loved, I loved your viewpoint. I loved the the arguments you made. A lot of facts, a lot of great stuff, and we loved having you on and. I'll tell you what, since you were so nice to come on the show here with us, uh, come once I think once the brackets are revealed for the NCAA tournament, we can uh, have you back on. Maybe we can talk a little bit of uh, college basketball hoops sometime. Absolutely, guys. Love to talk basketball at whatever we, level, anytime. Or should we yeah. just pencil in Villanova on your bracket right to the final? Well, that's <laughs> what I'll be doing. But uh, if you're putting any money down the game, maybe that might not be the best idea this year. <laughs> Uh, hey, this year anybody can win. So, yeah, they're not so bad this year. They're doing all right. Oh, they're right there. And yes, they'd have a chance. But take a flyer you, on uh, Long Beach State for sure. <laughs> that that be that be a flyer, all right. <laughs> yeah. if, you're, if, you're for, if you're looking for the uh, the the consensus pick going into the the bracket, my guess is it's probably going to be Kansas is who's going to be at the top of a lot of people's brackets this year. Rule number one of Nathan Bush Bracketology, never pick Kansas past the Sweet 16 ever. So that's my <laughs> rule, and I'm sticking with it. And also that goes for Gonzaga as well. But, you know, here I've never won, I've won two bracket pools in my life, so take that with a grain of salt. But I'll tell you what, Brandon, go ahead, give us some plugs, where people can find you, where they can read your articles, like the Elam Ending article that we posted. Uh, just let people know where they can follow you and keep up with you. 
sure. You can uh, read my stuff at buhoops.com. It's an SB Nation site. Follow me on Twitter at BrendanRiley37. And uh, thanks again, fellas. I really appreciate you having me on. No, it was great having you and great talking with you. And we'll have you back probably here in about a month or so, talk a little uh, college hoops. Sounds good. See you then. Thanks, man. Have a good one. The following is not a test. It is not a test. We now take you to the emergency broadcast system. Ladies and gentlemen, something has happened tonight that has not happened very many times this year. The Minnesota Timberwolves have won a game. So don't be alarmed by that distant sound of you can hear of their three fans clapping that they have been successful tonight. Back to you, Nate. I've paid my dues. Let me have this, Tim. A sweet victory. Why Why in my mind did I hear the last line of that song as, uh, uh, what is it, uh, I've had my sheriff's hand kicked in my face, but I've come through. And in my yeah. head, I'm, I'm hearing, I've uh, lost my sheriff matches. I wrestle for AEW. <laughs> You're not off, but... Tell you what, uh, I get a win. To get a win is one. Hey, we'll take them. And against your arch enemy and nemesis, we beat the good. Heat with Jimmy Butler in the I game. Know. And the final play of the game, Jimmy Butler drove to the rim and got stuffed. So, Jimmy right Butler, now, uh, you lose, Jimmy Butler. You lose. You are a loser. Dummy, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are going, geez, I, I, Tim said uh, Nate defeated his nemesis. I didn't know King Corbin played for the uh, Heat. He might as well. But what a sweet way to close out an extra long episode. There you go. Can't jump. This is is as good as it gets. Uh, I'm on board. Uh, Yay, Wolves, because I don't like Jimmy Butler either. So it's all good. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed the show. Know where to check us out. We're everywhere. Follow that wide jump. Follow that tile man. Sixty tile man. Sixty-eight. Four hundred and thirty-two. It feels like today, but yeah, sixty-eight. Tile sixty-eight. Follow there. Follow that wide jump on Twitter. Up with us. We'll be back next week with another great show. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. And Tim, uh, anything you want to add before we get out of here? Thanks to our sponsor, Stephen P. New Law Office, Strip Cam Fund. Atomic Comics Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets. Tim, take it out. Bogus, dance for the people. Peace out.
Thanks for listening to this broadcast on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. You can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash wide men can't jump for more exclusive content only available to our Patreon members. You can find this program and others like it on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and more. Just search Wide Men Can't Jump. Thanks to our sponsors, the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and Stay Classy Meets. Well, you can check them out at stayclassymeats.com and use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Follow us on Twitter, at WideJump, and be sure to keep up with all the content that's being posted there. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Wide Men Radio Network.